0: Amen. We'll praise the Lord for that beautiful song. Bring it all to the Lord. I'm glad that we can, and I'm glad that He's a God that cares when we bring it to Him. Amen. And I'm thankful that, as the Scriptures say, that He is a God who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, that He cares what we're going through. And thank the Lord for that. For uh, the Ronnie Choir, thank you so much. If you have your Bibles this morning, look with me to the book of Hebrew, the book of, uh, I'm sorry, let's go to Jonah chapter number two, not Hebrew, and uh, Jonah chapter number two, and we're going to continue our study through the book of Jonah, and I want to preach this morning on this thought of a journey from death to life, a journey from death to life, and we want to look at Jonah chapter two, if you'll bear with me. Um, I I struggled this week because the sermon, the scripture we want to look at is the entirety of chapter number two, and I've struggled trying to condense it down into an applicable uh, scripture for this morning, and so if you'll bear with me, I want to try to deliver to you the thoughts that God has given to us in this passage of scripture. Jonah, and we'll really we will begin reading in chapter 1 verse number 17 which is chapter 2 verse number 1 in the hebrew scriptures but Jonah chapter 1 verse number 17 the Bible says now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord And he heard me out of the belly of hell, uh, cried I, thou hast heard my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods can pass me about. All thy billows and thy ways passed over me. I want to preach again this morning on the thought of a journey from death to life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. And Lord, we ask that you might speak to our hearts through the preaching of your word. Lord, as we examine the life and the, uh, Lord, the affliction that Jonah, uh, Lord, brought upon himself, but Lord, also that you'd have brought upon him. God, I pray that each of us may examine our own lives. And Lord, if there is areas and avenues with which we are fleeing from you and running from your call upon our life, God, we ask that you might bring us to a place of repentance, Lord, that we might return to you once again. And Lord, we say we love you and we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Here in these verses, we find, or we see the foundation, uh, really in chapter 1, verse 17, we find the foundation is laid for uh, all of chapter 2, and that is that God had prepared a, a great fish to swallow Jonah up. At first glance it may seem like there was a divine retribution that the sailors had witnessed if they were able to where Jonah was swallowed by this great fish. To those to the sailors if they're watching maybe they thought yes Jonah said that he served the God of the land and the sea and this God has brought retribution or retaliation against Jonah because he has sinned we have thrown him into the sea and if the sea was not sure enough to drown Jonah and to take his life from him now this great fish has swallowed him up and surely there is nothing left of Jonah. However, what is often viewed as final judgment, as we'll see in the scripture, in reality is an act of compassion. God was working compassionately in the life of Jonah when he was swallowed by this fish. You say, Pastor, how could Jonah, being being swallowed by a whale, how was that an act of compassion by the Lord? Well, first of all, in this great sea, in a great storm, if Jonah had remained in the water, he surely would have drowned and so God by having him swallowed by this great fish we find that after three days God miraculously brought him back to dry land and so God saved him from the sea by the great fish furthermore we find that is in the belly of this great fish that Jonah decides that he has gone far enough from God and he repents and turns to the Lord. And so he is saved only physically, but there was also an aspect of spiritual salvation that Jonah experiences in the belly of this fish. And so we find that through scripture, uh, God uh, spared Jonah's life through the fish. But now the Bible says in Jonah 1:17 that he was in the belly of the fish 3 days and 3 nights. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here this morning, but for I do want to lay the foundation of what is transpiring here, and I want to examine for just a brief moment these three days and three nights. In the Bible, it is uh, often pointed out that, uh, that three days signifies a long journey. Notably, it is a travel time from death unto life or from life unto death vice versa. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 4 the Bible says on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place uh, from afar or afar off that was Mount Moriah where he was to take and to give, uh, uh, take Isaac's life and sacrifice him to the Lord. It was a three d- days journey and so we find that that is the case in Exodus chapter 15 And verse number 22, then Moses led Israel from from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And so we find that Israel had been a three days into the wilderness without water. They were on the verge of death when God delivered them once again. In Hosea chapter 6 verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Come and let us return unto the Lord for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us, and in the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. And so we find that after three days, God would raise his people up. Boy, isn't this also reminiscent of another story in the New Testament where Jesus Christ had been on the cross, and they had crucified him, and they placed him in the tomb, but when did he come out of the tomb? On the third day, and on the third day, he resurrected once again. Uh, Furthermore, this really, to me, it kind of reminds me of the Power of Jesus Christ and His power to raise Lazarus from the dead. If we look at Scripture, we find that uh, that Lazarus had been the Bible says he'd been dead about four days, and on the fourth day, the Jews would have said, "He's definitely dead now. He's past that three-day period. Lazarus is fully dead." And yet Jesus said, "Lazarus, come forth!" And Lazarus, who was fully dead, came out of that tomb, and God delivered life. To that which was dead and so we see here in Jonah chapter 1 verse number 17 that Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days and for three nights he was a signification that he was dead his life was gone that he had no hope although he was still physically breathing he was alive he was without hope the sailors said listen Jonah has been gone for three days he's dead there was no hope. There was no sign. Jonah was in the bottom of the sea in the belly of the whale. But I want us to come down to chapter two and verse number one. The Bible says, "Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God uh, out of the fish's belly, or from the the stomach of the fish." Literally, it was he was within the belly of the fish, and from there he called out to the Lord. I want to say, first off, what are you waiting on when it comes from this journey from death to life? What are you waiting on? What is it that is causing you to wait to call out upon the Lord? Here in Jonah chapter 1, God called to Jonah and Jonah did not respond. He did not respond when God called him. He did not respond when the ship was uh, uh, in the storm. He did not respond to God when the sailors were begging him to pray to his God. Jonah refused to pray. He refused to follow God no matter what was transpiring. He didn't call upon God even when he was in the water and he was drowning in the But now when Jonah is in the belly of the great fish, and it seems like all hope is gone, he started his journey in chapter 1, and he went down to Joppa, and he went down to the ship, and he went down into the belly of the ship, and his journey has been down, 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 and now we find that he is down at the very bottom. He is at the depth. He is in the belly of the fish, in the bottom of the sea, and now when he has reached his lowest point, Jonah Jonah cries out to God and calls to God from the belly of the fish. And so we find that Jonah, like us, many times he was waiting and waiting until everything else was gone. This should not be the case. But is that not reminiscent of us sometimes? We have the mentality that when everything else in life fails, when there's no other hope, when there's no other option, then I'll call upon God. When I have extended all of my resources, when I have done everything in my power to turn my life around or to get my own will or my own way and we wait and God is our our final backup plan. And when everything else has failed, we go, well, let us pray to God. That's kind of where Jonah's at. He's had opportunity after opportunity. God has worked in his life. The sailors worked in his life. There were people and others saying, Jonah, stop. The direction you're going is wrong. Even the sailors were rowing against the storm and Jonah has went against God. And now it finally takes Jonah reaching rock bottom. And he goes, well, now I'll call upon the Lord. Do you know somebody tonight that's headed down that road or this morning that's headed down that journey and day in and day out you've been praying for them and yet it seems like they're just like Jonah. They are destined for self-destruction and they're not gonna call out until they've reached bottom. This morning I wanna say do not wait until you reach the bottom to call out upon God. Do not end up like Jonah. I believe wholeheartedly with all everything within me that at any point in this journey, if Jonah would have called out to God, he never would have landed up where he did. He was only there because he refused to turn to God. Often we like to pick on Peter and say, Peter, uh, he he lost faith in God. He was walking on the water. He lost his faith, and the Bible says he began to sink. But what happened when Peter began to sink? The Bible says that immediately he called out to God, and he said, Lord, save me. I'm sinking. I can't do this. And I want to tell you this morning, I, I admire Peter. He had the wisdom that most of us don't have. When he saw things were going wrong, when Peter saw things were out of his control, when he saw that the water was overtaking him Peter immediately looked to the one who could do something about it and said Lord save me God have helped me Lord I need you that's the way we ought to be I'm not going to knock Peter for uh, getting out of the boat and walking on water most of us don't have that kind of faith and then when it overtook him he did the very thing that he must do to get help he called upon the Lord Maybe you're here today and you've been saying things like, I will come to God if I need to. I will surrender to him when I get ready. Or I can handle this. Or maybe you're saying things like, there's no reason to worry God with my problem. It's too little. Don't end up like Jonah Jonah he did cry call to the Lord and I'm grateful that he did and we'll look at that here momentarily but Jonah waited till it was almost too late Jonah had to pay a great price for his running from God Second of all, I want to look at verse number two and say there is nowhere that we can go that Jesus' love cannot reach us. Verse number two says, and um, I, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help and from uh, the depths of hell or shoal, and you heard my voice. And Jonah says, even when I was in the very depths of the grave, I, I cried out, and Lord, you heard my cry. There's nowhere I can go that Jesus' love can't reach. You say, Pastor, what about this morning? What if I've gone that far? What if I've pushed, uh, uh, pushed God away and I've ran from God and it seems like it's the waves of this life have already consumed me. They've already covered my soul. I'm already in the grave in my heart. What do I do? Call out to God. Jonah said that Even in the belly of hell, the grave, I cried out, and thou heardest my voice. Years ago, it was said that there was disease and plagues, and they were burying people by by the scores, and they often didn't have the medical exams that we have now to know if somebody was truly dead or not, or if they were in a coma. And so they would tie a string around their finger, run it through the grave in the dirt and up through the tree to a bell. And if somebody was in the casket and they came to, they could, as they began to move, it would begin to ring the bell up in the tree. And they would hurry and they would dig the person up and try to rescue them. That's where the term dead ringer comes from. Even in the grave, for them, it wasn't too late there were times where people were rescued yet this morning Jonah said even when I'm in the depths of the grave you heard my prayer psalms 139 verse 8 it says if I ascend into heaven you were there and the psalmist said if I make my bed in hell behold you are there hebrews 13:5 says let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have for he himself said I will never leave you nor forsake you and what we find is Jonah had left God. Jonah had ran from God. He was headed towards Tarshish uh, uh, 3,000 miles the opposite direction from Nineveh and yet as he's there in the bottom of the sea even though he had finally got to the very bottom to the most secluded place he could possibly go even there God was still with him. This morning, aren't you glad that no matter what we do, no matter how far we run from God, that God is still there when we call upon him. He's right there willing to grab a hold of us and to rescue us and to pull us up out of the miry pit and out of the clay. And to, He's willing to wash us clean once again through his love and compassion. This morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you've been. But what I do know is that Jesus Christ is able to reach through all the the muck and the mire of this life and rescue us if we'll call upon him. Verse number three. says, For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea. Uh, the currents and the waves had in, uh, engulfed me, they had encompassed me, and all your billows and breakers they passed over me again Jonah seems like he is here the Bible says that in the middle of the sea the billows or the breaking waves the great waves they had passed over me I think Jonah here is for a moment he is kinda reflecting back as he's praying and while he's in his prayer, Jonah is reminiscing for uh, a couple of verses here, verses uh, 4 and uh, 5. He is reminiscent in verse, parts of verse number 6, back to when he was thrown out of the boat. For a moment, Jonah's here in the belly of the whale, and he's thinking, Lord, he said, I was up there, and, and the waves were overtaking me. He said, it was too much. Jonah, as he's there, he's beginning to ponder upon his life, and he's finally came to a place where he has nothing else he can do. Jonah is in the belly of the fish. He can run no further. He's out of options. This is it. And so he begins to reminisce. He begins to contemplate upon what led him to the place where he's at. I believe that sometimes God allows certain individuals to come to the very bottom. Not because God wishes ill for them, but rather God wants us to get to a place where we're out of options, where we can no longer run. Because God's trying to get our attention. And so we find that Jonah is trying to get as far away from God as he possibly can. And here we find that Jonah has finally done it. He has got as far away from God as possible. Yet it wasn't far enough. Jonah is thinking, I'm sure I've finally made it where I wanted to go. I've gone as far as I can go down this path. His final destination. Matter of fact, furthermore, we find that Jonah even admits that it was God that uh, brought him to this place. It says, for thou hast cast me into the deep. However, what we find is, although Jonah had thought that he had finally got where he wanted to go, we find that God was not yet through with Jonah. Jonah thought, this is the end. This is the end of my road. I am in the grave. I am in Sheol and hell. I am at my final place that I can go. And yet God said, Jonah, this ain't the end of the road. I've still got more for you. I've still got further for you to go. I've got things for you to do. Jonah, I have a purpose and a plan for your life. We can never outrun the will and the plan of God in our lives. Jonah can testify this morning. Uh that there is nowhere we can go that God is not able to reach us. I honestly believe this morning if Jonah could come back this morning and come to speak to us with his bleached white skin from the, uh, this, the content, the acids of the fish stomach, with the, with the reeds wrapped about his head, and he'd be looking pretty rough this morning. But I believe if Jonah could come in here and talk to us for just a little bit, he would say, do not run from God. It is not worth it. I believe Jonah would have something to tell us. He'd be saying, listen, call out to God, follow him, obey him, don't run from God. There's nowhere you can go, it's pointless. God will have his way in our life. And so we find that God brought Jonah up from the grave just as he brought Lazarus up from the tomb. This morning, I want you to know that God will bring you up from wherever you are. I don't care how far you've ran from God. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've been through. You say, Pastor, I've had too much happen. I've gone through too much. There's too much sin between me and God. There's too much sin between me and a righteous God and my salvation. Preacher, what am I to do? I want you to know this morning that God is able to overcome your sin. He's greater than you are. He's greater than your sin and he's willing and he's able and he stands ready to forgive you and to restore you to him and a fellowship with him if you'll but call verse number four it says then I said I'm expelled from your side nevertheless I will look again towards your holy temple I think that here we see in verse 4, there's kind of a half-hearted confession. You say, now preacher, how's that? I mean, you would think after all this, Jonah is finally ready to fully confess everything. Wouldn't you think? But what does he say? He says, then I said, I and cast out or expelled from your sight. God, I've been thrown away from you. Now, did Jonah get thrown away from God? Jonah didn't get thrown away from God. He ran from God. God didn't cast Jonah into the sea. Jonah's sin caused him to be cast into the sea. Jonah. matter of fact, Jonah, I believe I said last week, Jonah could have called upon God, and God would have heard his prayer and forgave him. Yet Jonah said, throw me into the sea. God didn't do this. Right here in the middle of his prayer, in the middle of repentance, Jonah's half repenting, half making excuses. Does that sound familiar? If you're honest with yourself, it ought to sound familiar. We like to make excuses for our sin, don't we? It almost seemed as if Jonah is blaming God. It's easy to forget when we look at our circumstances. We like to say, well, God's done this to me. Yet Psalms 145, 9 says, The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. Psalms 34, 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. 1 John 4, 8 says, that uh, he does not love God, does not know God, for God is love. Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer you. We find that God is good, God is loving, and yet God is also righteous and just. And yet, Jonah, although he is willing to call upon God, As we'll see through Jonah chapter 3 and chapter 4, we find that Jonah's heart still wasn't all the way right. You say, preacher, how does God work in his heart then? I'm glad this morning, and I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, I'm glad that God doesn't wait on me to get everything together in my life before he loves and uses me, but rather he'll take me as I am when I call upon him, and he can work around my insufficiencies, my insecurities, anything that's wrong with me. God is greater than I am, and in spite of who we are, if we'll call upon God and make ourselves available, he's willing and able to use us and work in our heart. Verses 5 through 7 I must get with it this morning for sake of time. The Bible says that the waters encompassed me really to the point of death. He said the weeds wrapped around my neck. He descended to the roots of the mountains but I want to look at this phrase here. He says, the bars were around me forever. The bars. Um, Again, I'm not going to delve too far into this, but these bars kind of remind us of the staves that held the temple together. The bars that carried the mercy seat—remember, in the tent of uh, the tabernacle—and they could not even touch it. They had to just carry the bars to carry the 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 mercy seat, the holies of holies. And if you remember in Scripture, it began to fall one day, and one of the uh, the Levites reached out and touched it, and what happened? He died. God said, "Don't touch it." These bars really represent a a avenue of fellowship with God and the connection with God and Jonah says her bars were about me forever they were between me and God it really represents broken fellowship and to go from death to the life we must come to a place where we are broken fellowship and that fellowship is restored go back to Genesis from the very beginning what was God's purpose for man why did God create Adam and Eve to walk in the garden and fellowship with them that was the whole purpose and what did the fall do the fall broke that fellowship and the whole Bible, for really from Genesis chapter 3 all the way through Revelation to so the end of Revelation, is the story of God restoring that fellowship with fallen man. To go from death to life is really is the process by which we have relationship and fellowship restored with God. But our sin, our running from God, breaks that fellowship look at me in verse number 7. It says, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto me into thy holy temple. In verse 4, Jonah said, I will look again towards this holy temple. But in verse number 7, he says, My prayer came in unto thee into, thy, into your holy temple. Jonah said in verse 4, I'm going to see the temple once again. But in verse 7, he said, it's already happened. When I prayed and when I cried out to God, my prayers already immediately went to God. That fellowship had been restored. God wants to restore your fellowship this morning. And he'll do so if you call upon him. I want to get to verse 10, but I want to look just briefly verses 8 and 9. And I I want you to, and this is a, we we see that although Jonah is called upon God, there is a part of Jonah that God is going to take all the way through the end of this story of Jonah. uh, God's trying to purge and remove from his heart the entire time. That was a, uh, really, in Jonah's respect, it was, Uh, prejudice, it was arrogance, and we see in verse 8 and 9 here's what Jonah says, in his prayer of repentance to the Lord, mind you this is Jonah's prayer they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy really it's those who regard vain idols or who will worship these idols if you study it back in Hebrew it really means uh, worship, those who worship idols um, forsake their own their own good Jonah as he's in the belly of the whale as he's sitting here knowing he has ran from God he's looking back and he's almost thinking back on these sailors who were each man praying to his God and he says you know what I might be in the belly of the fish but at least I'm not praying to a false god In the bottom of the ocean, out of the will of God, in the belly of the fish, Jonah here, all of a sudden, he gets pious. Well, at least I'm not them. Those that worship false idols, their faith is pointless. And although he is right, but what does that have to do with you, Jonah, and the belly of the fish out of the will of God? Some of the most arrogant people you'll ever meet uh, sometimes can be Christians, can they not? We think we've got it all figured out. I spoke with a young man this morning who I tried to witness to him and I wasn't able to spend much time with him. Of course, being on a Sunday morning, I had stuff going and he did as well, but. I began to talk to him about the Lord just briefly and he told me that he used to be a Christian but he isn't anymore. And I asked him what his belief system was and he said he was a Norse pagan. He has turned to paganism from Christianity. I asked him, I said, what what made you make that decision? His reply was, well, I think that this Norse paganism aligns up more than what I think. He said, but also, he said, Christians, he said, you couldn't talk to them. He said, I tried. And he, we didn't get, our conversation got shut, but the way he was leading on this conversation, what it, what he was saying to me was, I wanted to talk to people about it. I had questions but when I had questions, people were too good for me. Nobody would listen. The church wouldn't listen. As Christians, we must guard our hearts to not be arrogant about the Lord. I believe it to be true. I hold it to be true. I am unshakable on the authority of God's word. I will proclaim the truth of God to everyone and anyone. But at the same time, we must understand that no matter how much of a sinner they are, no matter how far they wandered from God, God died for them just the same as He did me. But then, lastly, verse number 10, and I'll be done. The Bible says, and the Lord spake unto the fish and vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Here we find the mercies of God. In spite of everything that Jonah had done, in spite of him not even having the right heart the whole time he's praying in repentance, God still showed mercy. This morning, I want you to know that when I got saved, when I came to Jesus Christ, I didn't understand the full doctrines of grace and of law. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand all the doctrine of justification and sanctification. There were things about God and the the doctrine of salvation. I didn't have every T crossed, and every I dotted just right. But in spite of all that, God still showed mercy on me when I cried out to him. And this morning I want you to know that God is willing, he is rich in mercy, he is full of compassion, and if we will call upon him, he is able and he is willing to reach down and to display his mercy upon us. Lamentations chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You say, Pastor, I've not been very faithful as a Christian. I, I encourage you and I implore you to do so. But I want you to know in spite of your faithlessness, God is always faithful to us. And no matter if we lie, we, we, we uh, uh, fail at our commitments, God has never failed yet. He hasn't failed me and he will never fail you. His mercies are new. We find the mercy of God. This morning, maybe you're here and say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. What do I do? This morning, I want to encourage you to come to God. Say, Preacher, I don't understand at all. That's okay. Okay. What you must understand, though, is that Jesus Christ died for your sins. He's paid the ransom price that you might be free. And if you'll place your faith in him, he'll be rich in mercy. He'll show his grace to you. And he'll bring you up out of death and restore life to you that you've never known. Christian, Praise Jonah. Have you been running from God? Have you made every excuse for why you're justified? I want you to know, quit running. Come to God. We're going to resume our uh, offering in person next week. Thank the Lord for that. My right, your left, about the fifth row back, we had five young men volunteer to be ushers. Praise the Lord, ain't that a blessing? We need at least three more, though. We need at least three more ushers. I encourage you. Don't run. Say, God, however I can be of service, I want to be of service to you. God, I... I, I want to serve you. Lord, I want to quit hiding. Lord, I want to give my life to you. Has God called you to teach? To share the gospel with a family member or a neighbor? Have you been making excuses why you can't? Has God been impressing upon your heart to get involved in in the ministry of the church or in in your personal life to be a witness of God? And have you been making excuses? Have you been running? This morning, I encourage you, don't end up like Jonah. Say, God, I'm not going to wait for someone to come and ask me. I'm not going to wait for the pressure to get hot. But God, I'm going to come to you. Lord, I'm going to make myself available. Take my life and use me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around this morning? I wonder this morning if there's one here in our midst. I know we're a few minutes over. I ask you to be patient with me. I wonder if there's someone here today who would say, Pastor Ellis, I'll be honest with you. If I died right now, I don't even know that I'd go to heaven. Preacher, I don't know. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I will can pray for you. Would you slip your hand up and back down and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not even sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Is there one? Slip your hand up and back down. Is there one? Then I wonder this morning how many of you might say, Pastor, not even Pastor, Be honest with God. Has God been working in your life trying to stop you from going down the road you're headed? Young people, maybe it's you. Maybe it's a parent, a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, someone who's been trying to say, you better watch the decisions you're making. Are you running from God this morning? I ask you. As Sister K begins to play. If that's you this morning, would you call out to God, give your life to Him, and God save me from this road I'm headed down? Maybe God's called you to a life of service, maybe God's been impressing upon your life to serve Him. This morning, don't run from God. Say, Lord, here's my life, take it. Do with it as you please. If you need to pray this morning, the altars are open. I encourage you, come and pray. If you need to pray, I'd be happy to pray with you. Someone else will as well. If you need to pray this morning, the invitation's open. If God has spoken to your heart, would you come now? How about it this morning? Don't delay. Has God been knocking upon your heart's door? Don't be like Jonah. Don't think you can outrun God. The Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. Maybe you know someone this morning who is running. I encourage you. Even while they're running from God, would you pray on their behalf and say, God, would you continue to work in their life? So they may turn to you before it's too late.